We remain standing for our gospel lesson, which comes to us this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Hear these holy words. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected the people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him, saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, the judge refused. And later, he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Holy One said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to the chosen ones who cry to God day and night? Will God delay long in helping them? I tell you, God will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The children are dismissed for children's worship. You know how you can hear birds in a tree, but you can't necessarily see them, and then all of a sudden they flock out? It's a little bit like that from this vantage point. I'm going to break a strong rule that I maintain as a pastor and a mother. I do not use my children as sermon illustrations, except for right now. And I share this story with permission. Livia wanted to have a slumber party for her 13th birthday. I was the unjust mother who told her no because in our home, even year birthdays are for friends and odd year birthdays are for family. And so when she pushed back that 13 is a big event and should be a friend party, I conceded a little. She could have a few friends over for dinner, fair enough. Livia, still unsatisfied yet determined, recruited the help of my sister-in-law, who gently offered to assist in hosting a slumber party, knowing that birthday parties are not my spiritual gift. (laughs) This was a good ticket for Livia, and it persuaded me in the direction of more of an event, but still no slumber party. My heels were dug in on that. So together with her aunt, Livia made plans for an Instagram party, complete with a decorated photo booth and all the props. Still, Livia made her case for the slumber party, promising to sleep, offering to clean up the house the next morning, committing to not interrupting the sleep of her brothers. And this went on for nearly a month, this conversation. She was told no several times. She was always respectful in her asking, and she was savvy with her mission. And despite the odds stacked against her, nevertheless, she persisted. Finally, about three days before her birthday, I consented to the slumber party. And the congregation goes wild with applause. (laughs) Our Bible story today is about a widow bugging a judge for something she deserved. The widow was caught in a predicament where she needed justice, but the unjust judge was not interested in her claim. 
It was most likely something to do with her estate, which was undoubtedly in her deceased husband's name. So this parable is about not losing heart. Not losing heart when you have a need, and it reminds us contemporary folk about the need for prayer on our quest for justice. So here's the scene. Jesus and his disciples are approaching Jerusalem. They have witnessed his teachings and miracles, the healings and the moments of prayer with him. And just before this passage in the prior chapter of Luke 17, Jesus tells the disciples that the kingdom of God is so very close that it is among them, it is within them. But the reign of justice and love won't fully arrive until Jesus returns. He gives them this eschatological hope. It's a fancy term to point to the second coming of Jesus. This idea that even though times right now are tough, don't lose heart. Because when Jesus returns, all will be made right with the world. Perplexed by this, the disciples ask for more. Help us understand, Jesus. If the kingdom is here, why is there still so much violence? Why is Rome still in charge? How is it that sorrow and conflict still pervade to such a degree? If you are here and you brought the kingdom of God, and God is the God of love, and all will be made right when you return, and this good news lies even within us. What do we do in the meantime? We are, in fact, losing heart. We are tired, and rightly so. So there are three characters in this parable that help Jesus explain a response. First, there is the judge. The judge who neither feared God nor respected people. If ever there was a crooked politician, the judge is it. And the second role is played by the widow, who had an act of injustice committed against her, and all she wants is justice served. The third character is God, who, unlike the judge, is quite just in all dealings. And so now imagine the rest of the stage full of throngs of people in the marketplace this day seeking out rulings from the judge, seeking to sell their goods, seeking community amidst the masses. And among the crowd, the widow's voice rings out daily, grant me justice against my opponent. Most honorable judge, have mercy on me. Do not ignore me. I have a need. And not knowing what to do with her not knowing what justice might look like for this widow, not caring for her condition or the fact that widows are part of the dregs of society, not caring that alongside orphans and immigrants and other vulnerable figures, widows are frequently named by the Hebrew prophets as deserving special protection and respect, not caring about any of this. Since he did not fear God or respect people, the judge ignored her day after day after day after day. Day after day, she would arrive to the court prepared to make her case. And day after day, the judge would disregard her until finally so perturbed by her relentlessness, the judge says, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice. In fact, we miss something in our English translation. In the Greek, there is a play on words. When the judge says, I will grant her justice so she will not wear me out, the verb is actually to give a black eye. The woman is ready to duke the judge. And he, not for justice sake, but to literally save face, finally pays attention to her. We might hear this crooked leader lamenting on the evening news. I tried to ignore her. 
I tried stopping her. I tried giving her the message that I am not concerned with her. Nevertheless, she persisted. It's not unlike Jacob wrestling with the man. Jacob needed and wanted a blessing from the figure with whom he wrestled in the night. The figure tried to take his leave of Jacob. In each moment in the struggle, Jacob's demand for a blessing grew more intense. Finally, the man shouts, let me go for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And despite the man's attempt to get away, despite Jacob getting tired and wounded with a dislocated hip, despite the uncertainty of who Jacob was even wrestling with, was it God? Was it an angel? Was it another prophet? Nevertheless, Jacob persisted. Finally, exhausted, the man asks Jacob his name and gives him his blessing. So back to the parable. The disciples are ready for a revolution, and it wasn't coming. They were ready for Jesus to stage the final scene and triumph over all the unjust judges, but he kept refusing, and they were ready for his second coming, but time dragged on. And so Luke retells this Jesus story, this one that left his followers a bit baffled. Does he really just want us to pray more? And while this is about the persistence of prayer, it's not all that it is about. The punchline is this, says Jesus. Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will God not grant justice to those who cry day and night? God is not the unjust judge. God is quick to deliver justice. But is this true? Is this what we see? Livia lucked out with her slumber party. But what about those crying out for an end to racism or homophobia? What about people living in abject poverty on less than a dollar a day? What about people with disabilities who have been lobbying to Congress for years for equitable and inclusive treatment? Where is God, the just judge? We might wonder. Where are these quick resolves and sudden upturnings? We might worry alongside the disciples, where is God's justice? And yet, maybe God isn't the point of this story. Maybe God being quick to justice is not the point, so hang with me here. Maybe the protagonist in this story and the point is the widow. Maybe instead it's that when the cards are stacked against us and we feel alone in this world and we keep striking out day after day, maybe the point is that in desperation, when we are losing heart, when it is hard to maintain prayer and it's hard to believe that God is on our side when all we hear is silence, that even still, justice will prevail as we persist. It's not about the end result, but it's everything about how we persist in the interim. Barbara Brown Taylor says this of this text. You can only knock so long at a closed door before your hand starts to hurt too much to go on. You can only listen to yourself speak into the silence so long before you start to wonder if anyone was ever there. And she goes on. When that happens, when the pain and the doubt gang up on you to the point that you start feeling dead inside, then it is time to get some help because you are losing heart. I want to tell you a little bit about what has been going on with the anti-racism team here at Highland. Last winter, with your help, we bailed a kid out of jail who was there on an account of robbery. 
And whether or not he was complicit in the crime is really beside the point. He could not afford his bail and was caught in the beginnings of an unjust relationship with the criminal justice system. Upon his release, last spring, the team hosted him, his mother, and his grandmother to dinner here at church. We were careful and we were excited to offer him some of his favorite foods, particularly as we welcomed this African-American family to this white space in this white part of town. We wanted to be good hosts. As the conversation progressed, we shared with him our eagerness to offer support and encouragement, especially as his court date approached. So we had a medical support team since he is nursing an arm injury and confused about insurance. We had an education team to help him determine if he wanted a GED or to re-enroll in a local high school. We had a transportation team to help him get to appointments, and the members of the team were taking him to dinner or lunch regularly, helping him with purchases at places like Target, and generally seeking to support him in a myriad of ways. What we couldn't have accounted for and what we missed was the great chasm between his world and ours. And while I won't take time to unpack the details of a pregnant girlfriend, no consistent way for communication and no cell phone, the struggle to maintain a job, the struggle to understand the court's ruling which was not in his favor, our mistakes as a team. Nevertheless, the anti-racism team has persisted. And the young man has persisted in the ways that he knows how, with all that is stacked against him culturally and racially and economically. We have been in earnest prayer for this kid for a long time. And we have been working to the best of our know-how and our ability. But justice seems really far away. So how does this team not lose heart? Not just about the plight of this one kid, but about all the kids who are in the school-to-prison pipeline. So you see, the point is not that the judge dealt with the widow and gave the widow justice. The judge of this case today could give justice to this young man, but it still doesn't change the system in which he is caught. The point is not that God will give justice at the end of times either, although I do believe that God will. The point is the widow's tenacity her persistence, her filibuster on the House floor demanding justice that leaves corrupt politicians indignant about her persistence. And so we see that this is a recurring theme in Luke's narrative. Stay the course, Luke's writings tell us. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. And so here's the good news. It's like this. Trace back to the lilies of the field and the birds of the air who are here today and gone tomorrow. If God provides for them, how much more will God provide for you? If the unjust judge finally gives the widow her due, how much more will God, who is the God of compassion and mercy and justice and love, how much more will God hear your prayers and see your suffering? It's part of the beauty of Jesus saying to his followers, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus knows of the fatigue that comes with hands hurting from knocking on a door when no one seems to be home, or how our throats get sore from praying to the silence. It's the same fatigue that makes us wonder if any part of the journey is really worth it in the end. Even things as mundane as a new teenager asking her mother for a slumber party, 
to things as complex as a team of white folks committed to combating racism in the name of Jesus. Yeah, Lauren, but what about me and my fatigue? We have many examples of folks who refuse to lose heart. And so I want to close this sermon by naming three who I admire. The first is an international presence, and her name is Greta Thunberg. I know that you know her. Her young voice refuses to be silenced in the face of climate change and corporate empires dismissing her. She's amazing. And the second is a national voice. It's President Jimmy Carter refusing to lose hope on neighborhood housing inequalities, which is why he started and persists at Habitat for Humanity. And the third is a local, and in particular to us here at Highland, as many of us who share pews persist. His name is Holland Holm, and he knows that I'm sharing this. He is a victim of a school shooting, and despite the ongoing attempts of the gun lobby to dismiss his and other voices, despite the epidemic of school shootings, and despite the ubiquity of unjust judges in the face of gun safety measures, nevertheless, Holland persists at local rallies and on lobby days. Nevertheless, Greta and President Carter and Holland Home persist. Church, when you are faced with insurmountable odds, medically, politically, and socially like the widow, spiritually like Jacob and the angel, or culturally like the anti-racism team and their relationship with this young man, the ways that we persist can and will and do change the world. And so as we persist, the knocking that we do might waver or might be stronger on some days. And the words that we offer in prayer might shift as time ebbs and flows. And you might even be at risk at losing heart in the face of adversity. But know this. God hears your cries. God hears your cries for mercy and justice. And God will respond not simply to save God's face but because God's transforming love crosses all boundaries, because it is no holds barred and knows no limits. So let's hold tight with the disciples and stay the course in that which we believe. We can even learn from a 13-year-old committed to socializing. Barbara Brown Taylor invites us to clamp down and get up each morning to wash our face and go ask for what we want. And in so doing, we are going to trust the process regardless of what comes of it because the process itself gives us life. The process keeps us engaged with what matters most to us. So friends, do not lose heart. Nevertheless, keep persisting. Amen.